Welcome to the global phenomenon, Surviving the Survivor, where we bring you the best guests in all of true crime. What's up, STS Nation, and welcome to another episode of Surviving the Survivor, the podcast that promises to bring you the very best guests in all of true crime. And of course, anyone who's been watching this show knows we've been closely watching uh, all the developments surrounding the murder of former FSU law professor Dan Markell. He was gunned down in his Tallahassee driveway back on July 18th, 2014, eventually succumbing to his injuries the following day, July 19th, 2014. Uh, since that time, the two hitmen have been convicted, Luis Rivera and Sigfredo Garcia, the middle woman, Katie McBanawa, also now serving a life sentence, although Luis Rivera set to get out in a bunch more years. And then, of course, the latest conviction, Charlie Adelson, the ex-brother-in-law of Dan Markell, he is being sent away for life. And now the matriarch of the family, Donna Adelson, she uh, has just been arraigned. So that gets us up to date. And with all of this uh, news developing, people have come forward to survive this survivor. And uh, the person you're about to hear from does not want to be named or seen. So we're going to cover her face with an avatar and she's going by KC. But I have vetted her. I've spoken to her numerous times. And she is still an active dental hygienist. And she worked with the man at the center of this controversy, Charlie Adelson. Uh, Casey, to you, uh, how long have you been a dental hygienist and then has it all been in this part of uh, South Florida? Yes, I've been a dental hygienist for 31 years, um, working all throughout Broward County and obviously in Florida. And uh, so you obviously know Charlie Adelson, and I think Harvey Adelson, and you can correct me if I'm wrong there. Um, and at one point, is it true that you even worked uh, inside the Adelson Institute? Is that right? I did. I didn't was not an employee, but I was um, basically what you call a temp, a temp hygienist for the day their hygienist was out sick. And I got called to work there. And, and that day I did meet um, the father and he was very nice. Um and Charlie was not at the practice that day. He was traveling. Uh, but as you just mentioned, um, Charlie was a traveling periodontist. So you came across him many times many over offices. the last many offices over the last bunch of years. Yeah. Um, so let's go back. Um, is, is this prior to the murders that you were working with him pr prior to 2014? Prior and after. Prior and after. So this runs the gamut. Casey has worked uh, with Charlie, as you just heard, before the murders and after the murders. So let's go before the murders. What were your when you first met Charlie Adelson? Uh, now everything is hindsight. Uh, you know, they say hindsight is twenty twenty. Looking back on it, when you first met this guy, you know, he's got a reputation for having sort of an air of arrogance about him. What were your first impressions of Charlie Adelson? My very first impressions were actually at a Christmas party, and I might have the dates wrong, early 2000s, um, and he was very charming, very flirtatious, and I didn't really 
think anything much about him at that time as a person, but once I worked with him as a periodontist, my entire outlook of him changed. If that makes Tell- sense. Yeah. So, well, let's get back to the flirtatious part. So you're at a Christmas party. That's usually when people have a couple of drinks. Was mm-hmm. he, I don't know how else to say this, uh, other than was he hitting on women? Was he, you know, he's a ladies he man. Was, was he hitting um, on women? Hitting on women. Um, I was a married woman with two children and, um, like would grab, like grabbed me at one particular point and put me on his lap. Um, but very flirtatious with all the women there but not like in a like predator way, more like a charming guy that just thought he could get any girl to do whatever. So I was very turned off by it because I was married and he knew that and, but other girls were eating it up, you know, he's charming in his own sort of way, I guess you could say back then. Yeah. And I, um, you know, I was actually surprised when I saw him in court. I was up in Tallahassee. He's not a small guy. He's a pretty big guy. He's like six foot two and he's pretty thick, like he's muscular. Yeah. Um, do you think he has sort of a uh, an aura about him when he walks into a room, when he walked into that Christmas party? Do people notice him? Uh, I don't think he's that. Um I don't think people like looked at him like, oh, you know, look at this guy. But once he starts talking and his like demeanor, I think people found him charming. Um, Because I did. I mean, I even thought at first when I worked with him, the way he would talk to the women patients was a little bit, you know, he, he knew that he had that charm. And he basically would make comments like, watch this. I'm going to be able to get this spell or I'm going to be able to get this woman to spend money, that kind of thing. So very stuck on himself, very arrogant, but not my type. So it never really, I never really thought twice about it. And um, I know we've got a barking dog. It's it's okay. I I just closed the door. I wanted to tell you um, real quick, I know you didn't ask, but I want to give you a little backstory. This um, story really intrigued me forever because my entire family is in Tallahassee. Uh, That's where I went to college. And um, you went to Florida State. I went to Florida State in the late 80s. um, And my whole family, my grandmother's 99. She lives and they all live right around the area. Of the, of the college and of the city's part of Tallahassee. And it touched me more, I think, because of the fact that I went there. I My entire family, I'm there four or five times a year to visit. My brother lives there, my dad. But these people are all very um, executive people, like with the type of government. Um, they go to Ron DeSantis' parties. So I think what intrigued me more about the whole thing was this happened right there and my family's up there. And also. Oh, I just lost your audio there, um, Casey. Yeah, I'm sorry. The clock, the alarm clock went off for you. Um, so I think that that's what intrigued me the most is that it happened. I knew him and it happened in the city where all my, my family's up family all lives and we can get to this a little later how he's downgrading the people in Tallahassee when they're obviously officials and they're officials and they're in the government and in the capital they work there so 
Well, I, I know I know you've been listening to the the jailhouse calls. Uh, what have yeah. you made of the fact that he basically was calling in so many words? I'm paraphrasing, but basically referring to Tallahassee jurors as hicks and uh, little people. It was, it, it was disgusting, and he thinks people are beneath him. Um, yeah, I, I I I don't even know how to comment on that because it really bothered me. Like I was screaming, listening to the like. I actually got so mad that I actually thought he could hear me because talking about the people and y'all Tallahassee is the type you don't even realize you're really in Florida because everyone is so mannersome and polite, believe it or not. I don't know. I'm sure when you were there, you, you saw that. Um, it's like a whole different um, era of where we are in Miami and Broward County. People actually are very nice, um, very educated, um, to take a flight to Tallahassee is $500 because it's all executive. It's all government, um, you know, government people. So it's actually, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful city. Um, and as Tim Jansen, who's always on the show says, the further North you go in Florida, the more kind of, uh, Southern it gets. There's a Southern hospitality up there. People are very uh, friendly, very kind. Um, so Casey, um, back to, Prior to the to the crime, you you also you mentioned uh, you did meet Harvey in your one encounter with Harvey. Uh, what was that experience like? Soft spoken? How did he strike you? He was very nice. Um, one thing I have to say on the probably the only positive thing I can actually say about the Adelsons is their employees stayed forever. I'm not sure what they did. Um, you know, the front desk girl and and a couple other employees were there for over 20 years working with him. He was very polite, but I didn't have much interaction with him because, you know, he came in once or twice just to check my patient and walked out and he paid me at the end of the day and everything was fine. So I really don't have anything to say negative about Harvey and Donna was not there that day. And since you, uh, again, were moving around and Charlie was a traveling periodontist, you work with him multiple times. What was his, what was his, um, and, you know, doctors have a bedside manner. I don't know what we call that for periodontists, but what was he like with his patients in an office environment? Um, so I, with all truth, I'm going to say terrible. I, I mean, I don't know how else to describe it. Um, at one point, you want me to tell like a story? Because, yes, please. Okay. So for at, at one point, I mean, periodontists are really in charge of gum and bone and implants. However, they can also extract teeth. Um, they're not really an oral surgeon, but because they're a periodontist, they can extract teeth. Um, and at one point, I recall him having a 14-year-old in his chair, and he was trying to extract this child's, um, I guess it was his, the wisdom tooth, believe it or not, because it was the tooth all the way on the upper left in the back. And the kid kept moving his head. And I just happened to be in the hallway and I saw the assistant who I have spoken to since and verified the story because I didn't want to say anything that wasn't true. Um, so basically he kept grabbing, the, she kept trying to hold the little, the little boy's head and the little boy kept jerking away. And then he took a, what's called an elevator, which is like a long um, tool that you dig out the tooth with. And he stuck it in between the kids, two molars, and he jerked the kid's head back and forth several times and then said, 
now I'll tell you this. Now you'll stay still. At that point, the assistant got up and left the room. Um, very arrogant, not friendly, leaves the room. I mean, my periodontist that I work with now, she's in a surgical suite. She's in there for two hours. You don't see her. He would leave the room so many times during a big procedure to take phone calls, to walk outside. I'm sure it had a lot to do with what was going on in his personal life, but we all have that and we leave it outside the door. He's just very arrogant. Like at the end of the day, he has a suitcase that weighs a ton with all his stuff because he travels and he would tell whoever, bring my suitcase down to my car or just, I never saw him being like a gentle, nice person. And I think that's why he does have several malpractice suits against him. Um, I, I don't think that he did very good dentistry. <laughs> Yeah, um, we're going to get into that. So yeah. you you know him, obviously. Tell me again, when's the first time you met him at this Christmas party? Roughly what year? So I believe it was around, hmm, let me think, because my daughter, so maybe 2005, 2006. And then I also saw him at another Christmas party in, gosh, just like maybe 2006. 16 or 17 at another office in Deerfield Beach that he worked at. Wow. And that's post, that's post crime. Ironically, when you yeah, first met is. him was when, uh, around the time that Wendy and Dan got married, had you ever heard him speak, uh, about his, about Wendy or his estranged brother, Rob or his mother? Did you ever hear him talk about them? No, never. Okay. And, um, did you ever hear him mention the name Dan Markell? No, never. Okay. Um, so let's fast forward a little bit. We get to, uh, the fateful day, July 14th, July 18th, 2014, uh, Dan Markell is shot in his driveway. It's fairly big news. I don't know if it makes it all the way down here. When do you first okay. get wind of this murder, uh, by your alma mater, uh, Florida state university? Mm -hmm. When do you first find out about this murder? So basically, um, my dad, who lives um, right by the school, by, by the college, he called me um, that night and he said, do you know a, a dentist from Broward County named um, um, Charlie Adelson? And I said, yeah, why? And it was about, I don't know, maybe nine, 10 o'clock at night. And he said, oh, his brother-in-law was shot. Um, he's an FSU professor. And that's how my dad told me. I don't think um, he was like a suspect at that point. I could be wrong. The first time I really noticed, well, first of all, he got five, like one of these dentists that I know very well, she let him go because she didn't want the publicity. This is before he got arrested. This is right when the entire thing happened. But the first time I really saw him involved was when they aired the first 2020 in Dateline. He was going about his business like nothing ever happened. Mm. It was very strange. Do you know, um, or did you notice, I should say, any change in his disposition after the arrest of Katie Magbanawa, which is 2016? Because apparently after she was arrested, of course, his one-time girlfriend, and she is convicted as being the, uh, yeah. you know, the accessory, the middle woman in all this. After her arrest, did you notice a change when you would see Charlie? 
So yeah, so he would come to the office that I was employed at, at every Thursday. And that's when, and believe me, at the time, I didn't really notice. No one was really speaking to him. He was kind of, I, he was very good friends with the dentist, which I'm waiting to hear if one day they're on a call. Um, because from not to go off track, but that dentist that I used to work with, that he would come in up until he went to court recently, was sending him money and Hang on a sec. We we broke up there again a little bit. So take take that back. So there was a dentist. Explain who this dentist is. So there's a dentist that um, Charlie would come in every Thursday and work and see patients like for implants or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so this particular dentist, after Charlie was arrested, was still talking to him on the phone throughout the day and sending him money for the his commissary. So they stayed very good friends. So I, I'm waiting to hear if he calls him on these jail calls. But getting back to what we were talking about, um, after Katie was arrested and the other two, I did not realize at the time, but now hindsight 2020, he acted very strange. He That's when he would literally get up nonstop, go outside. And now, of course, that we're hearing the case. Half those times he was probably working with me and he was outside talking to her or to his mother and those people because he would get up, like leaving a patient wide open, blood everywhere and go outside. It was very strange, but I didn't realize that till after the fact. Does anyone, does any, I mean, that's totally against protocol to leave a patient with a bleeding mouth wide, right? You just don't do that, correct? And they're on meds, right? do not, yes. Well, they're on, sometimes they're on gas, nitrous oxide. Um, They're definitely numb. The assistant would stay in the room, which a dentist can get up, but not to take phone calls and walk outside. I mean, I don't, I don't really know what the laws are, but I know that you're not supposed to ever leave a patient in a chair when they have, when they're in the middle of surgery. And would Um, patients ever complain about this, that he was leaving to take calls? I took... Not that, but I saw several patients that, because remember, I'm the one that sees the patients to keep the gums healthy. So I saw several patients that would always complain about their implants or my mouth's never felt the same. And I'm not just saying this because of what's going on. If he was a great dentist, I would admit it. Um, He'd never, I never heard a good compliment from any patient that he did anything on. They all, um, they all just felt like, he rushes or he's not nice. He doesn't have a nice bedside manner. But then in the women's eyes, he was charming, I guess, if that makes sense. I don't know. Yeah. I just, that, that, I'm in total shock over the whole thing that I actually worked with this guy. That's why when I found your channel, I was like, oh, my gosh, like, I can't believe that I was in the same office building with this man so many times. And he murdered. He set up a murder like it's. Do you have any do you have any doubt that he's guilty in this? Are you convinced that he set this all up? I am. uh, I don't have one doubt that he's he's not guilty. Um, I believe he set it all up. Um, And I also, if you don't mind me saying, um, I also think that he is turning on Wendy. Something I heard today and I've been listening nonstop. Um, He tells Bree 
about the, that he acts like he never knew when he dr- drove by that scene. And he's literally saying, that's what ruined everything. I have a feeling they're going to try to twist and turn this into Wendy's the one that set it up. I could be wrong, but I have a feeling to save him, try to save himself and his mom. They're going to say that Wendy set this up with Catherine and he just funded the money. But I have no doubt that he was a big part of it. I mean, I think that any person logically would know that. You uh, you are not the only one who believes that. And uh, there is a chance, I guess, that Charlie could flip on Wendy and he's uh, perseverating, if I may use that word, harping on uh, this whole issue with Wendy, including the uh, fictional book she wrote that's got a lot of elements yeah. of, of uh, nonfiction. What has it been like for you personally now that you're listening to these jailhouse recordings and that you are working basically side by side with this guy? What's it what's it like personally? Well, personally, um, it hurts, like, because, well, first of all, I ache for um, Dan Markell's family, first and foremost. Um, I have three children. I adore them. If anything ever happened to my child, I don't know how I would survive. So when where that case is, oh, I got a divorce after 23 years of marriage. Never would I hurt the fa- father of my kids, regardless of anything he did. Um, but that part really bothers me. It bothers me that they go on living like they did nothing wrong. They're very entitled people. And um, I just don't understand. We've all made mistakes. Um, I don't judge people, but I do judge this because you've made a mistake. And you did something terrible and everyone's paying for it. And you're still going on and on about you're not that you didn't do anything. So I guess the whole fact that a a son, brother, father was taken from their children. And I'm, I would love to know how those children are doing right now. Um, Finding out all these things. I mean, I don't know how Ruth's visit with them was. Um, I'm sure they had questions and, um, they lost their dad Their, you know, their uncle deserves everything he's getting. The, the mother definitely deserves. And I listened to the little boy, his little boy, and he loves his daddy. And that's so crazy for me to think that he went on and had a child with someone after killing a father of, of children I don't know. I don't know if anyone else has said that, but that really bothers me. Like you shouldn't be a father. (laughs) Yeah. He should definitely not be a father. And it's tragic uh, because obviously the Markel boys are the biggest victims next to Dan, but there's so many other children and Charlie's son is one of them. This guy, Roman, Uh, when you heard that call, uh, there is a call where Roman and Charlie are talking for a few minutes. Um, It is heartbreaking, isn't it? Yeah, he says, I love you, Daddy. I love you. I miss you. When are you going to be done working? I guess that's what they decided to tell him. Mm-hmm. And he's even going on and on about buying him an electric guitar and or a guitar. He seems like a very smart little boy. I, I hope that his mother, I know his mother, seems to be on Charlie's side from what we hear, but we don't know what could have happened after. Um, but I hope that she raises him to know that what the, his father did was a crime and um, 
I just hope he grows up happy and, you know, in a good environment. What about the fact that Charlie is basically feeling sorry for himself? I'll never get to see my son again. But the irony is so thick because Dan Markell, yeah, obviously. Me. Yeah. Does that just. Yeah. Um, uh, I I don't know how to feel. I mean, obviously, as a mother um, and you're a father, it tears at your heart when you hear like. But this was not. He just made a mistake or he accidentally shot someone and now he's never seeing his kid. He planned the whole thing. So feeling sorry for yourself is like pathetic as far as I'm concerned. Like you're, you did this. You should have known there was going to be repercussions. He got the only thing I can say that does bother me is that these people got to watch Dan Markell's kids grow up because they got away with it for what, nine years. So they actually got a little bit of what they planned. Had you ever away time? Yeah. Had you ever heard Charlie talk about his girlfriend, Katie McBanawa? Do you ever hear him mention her? Never. 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 Okay. So I'll tell you what we, you know, knowing that you were going to come on, um, I reached out to our own community because uh, I always say best guess, better community. Yes. And that's what the sign says. And they've got a lot of questions. So let's start to go through the questions they have for you. I usually write down everyone's names, but they were actually so many questions um, oh, and some wow. of these you're going to know the answer to and some you won't. And then we can uh, kind of go off on a, a couple of little uh, side trips based on the questions. But the first question is, what kind of um, unscrupulous things did uh, Charlie do in the office? I mean, you just mentioned a story about the 14 year old. Was there anything else that was unscrupulous that you would see him doing? Um. I really no, not. I mean, I, I I've heard stories, but you know, it wasn't with me. So, for me to talk about it, I don't really know the truth behind it. Um, you know, he just wasn't nice to whoever was assisting him. Like, he just wasn't a nice person to staff members and to the patients. It was all about him. And like, literally, I, one thing I will say, I don't know if this is scrupulous because we all want to make money, but he would be like demanding his money that day, like to the other doctor and things like that. But just, I would roll my eyes and walk out because he's like, you owe me this, this, and this, but no, I mean, I don't know about scrupulous things. I'm sure somebody could tell you a lot, but I was not side by side with him. Well, it's interesting you bring that up because there's a jailhouse call where he's talking about the fact that he's, you know, he's so focused on money. At one point, the Adelsons lost their money in some sort of scheme. And uh, he says that he was just working and working and working and working seven days a week on Sundays. Which the only thing he ever, sure. yeah, the only thing he ever treated himself to was a Ferrari. And now he he's here meeting in prison. Uh, but he was. Um, according to you, he was hyper-focused on money. He wanted that money. Yes. Yes. Very. And he also treated himself to a boat. There's other things he did treat himself to. The only thing that shocked me was that he stayed in his same house. But that, besides that, he also had condos, places, went on very nice trips. He wasn't, didn't only buy his Ferrari. And I, from what I believe, he was washing his Ferrari when he got arrested, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> and he was um, outside washing it when the, when the FBI came. Well, it must be dirty still. Uh, when um, you you mentioned this other dentist who was sending him money for the commissary, do you know if if other dentists are kind of 
sticking by his side? Is this the only person? Uh, what are people in the dental community saying about all this? No, um, like, okay, so for instance, the one office that I mentioned in Deerfield Beach, they, when you walk in, they have a slideshow, like, which I think is very nice. They show pictures of the staff, pictures at parties, this and that and the other. It's a big screen. And his picture would still come up. And he, he, this, this particular dentist no longer would use him. There were, there's at least five dentists that on that I know personally that no longer used him once the Dateline in 2020 thing came out way before he was arrested. The very first ones. Um, so he so, kind of, so he kind of became like a pariah within the dental yes. community That's after why the work. More north, yes. Really, he had to go more staying north. Right That's around it. Around here, staying right around. I'm sorry to interrupt. Staying right around here in Brow- in Broward County area got hard for him because everyone knew the story. So then he started going to Jupiter and this and that further north because I guess he, I mean, but I do know he was working up till the end. So some people were still employing him, but any time you bring up his name, no one has nothing nice to say about him. Like, I don't believe that dentists are supporting him that I know of. Why do you think this one dentist is sending him and still seeming to support him in, in jail prison? He, he's a little strange, this dentist. And um, mm-hmm. I just think, I, I really don't know. Maybe um, Charlie has him wooed over. I don't know if he's still doing it. I'm talking about for this past year and a half that he's been waiting to go to trial. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's happened since then. I'm waiting to see if there's a call to him because some of the people he talks to on the phone, I'm always like, oh, is that? A-? And it's never a dentist. It's either a lawyer friend or um, obviously the mother of his child and those people. I never hear him talking to any dentist that I know I'm aware of. Uh, next question, the Adelsons, or at least Charlie, because, uh, you know, you did work in the Adelson Institute, but just for a very brief time, but you saw him because Charlie was a traveling dentist. Did the Adelsons, as far you, as you know, but Charlie specifically, I guess, ever fraudulently bill to insurance companies, someone wants to know? Do you have any idea? Um, I have been told that, but I don't know for sure. You have been told that. Uh, another question. Yeah. Charlie is a periodontist. For those who don't know, what is um, sort of the distinguishing feature between a periodontist and a dentist? And the person wants to know, why would Charlie always refer to himself as a surgeon? Is that accurate? Okay, so yes. Um, He so a periodontist. Okay, so the difference between a general dentist and a periodontist, and I hope no dentists come on here and say that I'm wrong. But um, a general dentist goes to school for a certain amount of time and their job is to restore teeth like crowns, bridges, composite fillings, um, you know, this, that, the other. Um, when you're a periodontist, a pediatric dentist, an oral surgeon, you go for a few more years to specialize. So a periodontist can extract teeth, but their main thing is to place implants into the bone. So they are a surgeon because that's considered surgery. Um, and they also used to do back in the day, a lot of gum treatments and laser on the gums, but now a lot of general dentists are getting that qualification as well. So let's say you needed like gum grafts or you needed, um, 
stuff like that, the periodontist would be the one to do that back probably five to 10 years ago. Now general dentists are doing that, but where surgery is involved, he is considered a surgeon, yes. And uh, Casey, um, I'm just curious, you know, there's really no um, reason that Charlie needed to go and take care of his sister's dirty work. I'm curious, what kind of theory do you have? What is your thought? Do you think that Donna was just such a controlling figure, the mother in his life? Because it doesn't seem like his relationship with Wendy is too strong either back then and definitely not now. Why do you think he threw it all away for this, for her, for Wendy? So this is just my my opinion. Um, I think that he's such an arrogant Oh gosh, let me let me see if there he just thinks that he can do no wrong with anything. And I've always thought that about him. So this is, has nothing to do with even the case. So I believe if I could guess, I would say that Wendy was complaining, just like everyone said. Donna was upset. She wanted the grandkids home. They mentioned it to Charlie. He thinks he's so cool. He starts dating this Catherine McBanawa. He mentions to her because he probably knows the father of her kids was a, you know, bad boy. Um, And he sets the whole thing up. And um, Donna was facilitating the money portion, writing checks and doing all that. I just think that exactly what supposedly he said to his friend Ryan um, was, don't talk about it. You'll get away with murder. I think he just thought that he was. What you've used the term several times, I, I'm trying to think invincible or untouchable. I, Georgia Kaplan, everything she said about him fit him to a T. He just was the doctor that thought that. And, you know, my ex-husband, I, well, I'm not going to say what his occupation is, but the way he said about if the cops come, who are they going to believe? He just thought that no matter what, no, you don't commit a murder and people don't care who you are. <laughs> like you could be the whoever and you did it and they're not going to think it's somebody else just because you're a surgeon. So yeah. I really believe that. I do think that that's how it happened. I think Wendy had a lot. Now that I'm listening to the jail calls, I think Wendy had a lot more to do with it. Um, if And I did say this on your on. Um, I said yesterday, I don't know if you saw my comment, but if I ever drove down a street where my kids live and it was blocked off, I would be jumping out of my car running. I would pass every police officer to see what is going on at my house, my ex house, whatever. And of course, calling their school immediately to make sure they're there. So that part is really hitting home with me, I think, the most out of anything. So you do think her. that Wendy had knowledge of this? And do you think Harvey oh, also yeah. had, you think the whole family was in on it? I think, um, I think Harvey had a lot to do, knew about it. I just feel like, I don't know why I feel kind of sorry for him. Like he's so, in lo- he's been married to his wife for so long and he just went around along with whatever they were doing without being a sole part of it. If that makes sense. Like, yeah, the poor guy, like, I just think he probably knew, but he loves his wife so much. He loves his daughter. He loves Charlie. So he kind of was just in the background listening and knowing, obviously he knew when she asked him to leave the country. So 
that, I mean, why would they leave the country? So, um, by at this point, we all know that Charlie loves money. Um, did you ever see any cash transactions at the businesses? Would he ever charge cash for his work? Yes. He would. I did and, yes. And this is a semi-joke. He would, would he, ever, give a, he would give a discount if they paid cash. He would give a discount with cash. Would he ever staple that cash? That's my half joke I right there. I never saw that. I know. No, I didn't <laughs> see that. I've never, never been in this house. <laughs> no. That part um, didn't see, but I did see him say, if you, like, let's say it was a $3,500 case. If you pay cash, we'll do it for $3,300. Because, you know, the, the credit card transaction fee or whatever. He wanted cash versus other forms of payment. But I don't think that's illegal to do. A lot of places do that. So, uh, Yeah, because you can avoid the credit card uh you know, uh, charges and all that. Correct. Uh, these next two, I don't think you can answer because it has to do. I don't think you knew. Uh, well, you met Harvey, but you didn't know Donna. But this person said they'd like to know more about his relationship with his father. Uh, we know about his mother. Did you see him interacting with his father? Did you see? Did they seem to get along? Were they chummy? Were they? Did he appear close with them? I, I don't know the answer to that, but I can say what I speculate. Um, if you're if your father thinks that you're a good periodontist and he thinks you're wonderful and he thinks that you can be an asset, why were they not working together? He would go to his dad once a month. So something is a little fishy with that. But now that I'm hearing the jail calls, it sounds like his dad really loves him, but I don't think his dad looked at him like a very good periodontist. That's my opinion. That's interesting. And that's maybe why I never saw any transaction. I never saw them interact at all since these jail calls. That's interesting. And they would, um, you know, Charlie bought the practice from his father, but then sold it back to him. Do you think there's also something uh, behind the fact that he was always traveling and never in one place? Do you think that had anything to do with his performance ability? Um, Yes. But like, for instance, a lot of dentists don't want to put up all the money for overhead and they don't want to be responsible for a bunch of employees. So like I have a wonderful oral surgeon who I adore that I would recommend anyone to. And he travels right now, but he's very young, out of school, maybe not even 10 years. And he's building up because to open a practice, it's a couple million dollars. So um, it could go either way with that. But I do believe that in this situation, he was a traveling periodontist because he couldn't stay at one place because he would always make someone upset, <laughs> either an employee, a patient, the doctor. So he had to keep running around. Um, I tried to reach out to someone at this Sophie Dental place that he worked in Miami because apparently he was there all the time, but mm-hmm. I don't know anyone there. But I did try just to see what they would tell me. If the, did I you ever see like a an outburst or him telling someone to go F themselves, anything along those lines in the office? Um, yes. Um, the one girl that I told you, I spoke to the one that she, she told me the story. She told me the story about him hitting, like putting the kid's head back and forth. She mm-hmm. said when she got, when he did that to the kid, she took off her gloves and left the room. And later on, he said, don't ever effing walk out on me. 
and she quit. And then her dentist called her back to please work there and fired him. And did that dentist fire Charlie? Do you know? Yes. He did. Do you know if Charlie was a woman? Do you know if Charlie was fired more than once? Yes, he was. And I would Um, want to say not more than once, not fired because he was doing anything. But after this case, after not before he got arrested, I mean, before he got arrested, people didn't want him in the office. He was all over. Like, like I said, the dateline, even though he was presumed innocent, people didn't want that um, in their office. Patients all saw that. Was there was there a change in sort of the arrogance once these things started to air? Was he more low key or did he keep up the bravado? Yeah, he kept up the bravado. I don't think he ever changed. I, ne- you know, I used to turn around to one of these employees that I worked with, and I used to say, "I can't stand Thursdays. I can't stand when he comes in here." Like he just thought that he was the top dog, like he ruled the world, and. That's why when I listened to all this and I listened to the trial and I didn't talk to Georgia Cabelman, but the way she said, you're the doctor, you you do no wrong. That's exactly what he was. He was the doctor that he thought everyone wanted him. He thought everybody liked him. He he thought he was the best and you couldn't tell him differently. Now take me, uh, Take me inside like the like the break room where the, where the hygienist would hang out or you guys would hang he out never, after these never went in there. Not, no, but you guys after this stuff aired, you had to sit there and talk and say, this guy did it. I can't believe this guy's a killer. Um, would you guys sit there and uh, kind of gossip about this stuff? Of course. Yeah. <laughs> and still to this day, we do. <laughs> and and you know, it is. I mean, amongst your friends in the business, do most people feel the way you do, that they just don't like the guy? A lot of people, I think, did like him until this situation. But um, no, maybe I'm wrong. I do know a couple of people that always stuck up, stuck up for him. But in, if you had to take a poll, it would be more that they did not like him. Mm. Uh, back people to some of the questions. I'm sorry. They have quit their job. Because he was a part of that of that office. Wow, that they tells you something. If if you're quitting yeah. uh, your own livelihood because you don't like the guy, that's yeah. that's saying something. Yeah. Um, here's another question: Did he talk about his legal situation with his employees? Did you ever hear him talking about the never. trouble he was? Never. never. Did he ever talk about his family? No. Hmm. Um. They're asking if the staff had interactions with uh, his parents or sister. You already said they didn't. Um, what is the most unpleasant interaction that you personally ever had with him, if any? So I think um, I had stage four breast cancer and oh, I was sorry to hear to that. Work. No, that's OK. I'm a survivor. Thank God. Surviving a survivor. Um Yes, I was very we're all sick. surviving something, but go ahead. So the one, yes, the one story that I can tell you, and this is probably, give, if anyone listens to this podcast that knows me, will know who, who I am, but that's okay. So I was still working on and off and I would just go in for a few hours. Um, and after came. So one time. 
Um, he made a comment because I wore like the little bandana because I was bald. And he was walking by and he goes, hey, Baldy. And at first, like, I took it kind of like, is he joking or whatever? And then he's like, what happened to all your hair? And I was like, I have cancer. And he's like, oh, sorry about that. Just walked away. And then about two weeks later, I remember at the end of the day, everyone had pretty much left except him, his assistant and me. And she was. And that's another thing real quick. He just would leave. Like when he's done with his stuff, he doesn't help pack up. He doesn't help clean up. He just leaves the bloody mess and makes people clean up after him. So this was, you know, probably five years ago or so, or no longer than that, um, maybe six, seven years. Um, he had this, like, I, I think I spoke to you about it, but he had the big suitcase with all his stuff and he would ask people to carry it down. Now, mind you, I could, I had lymph node removal, no breast, like I had no upper um, strength. And he's like, are you going to carry my instruments or my whatever he called it? I forgot what he called it. It was a big box that was filled with this stuff. And I said, I can't carry that. I just had surgery. And he's like, so you're useless. And I said, pretty much. And I walked away. And I'm a strong person. So he didn't bother me. But I remember looking at one of the staff members and she was crying. She's like, how can he talk to you like that? So that is one thing that I can say for myself. I know many stories of how he treated a lot of, of staff members. But for me personally, that's the one thing that stands out. Uh, that's about as bad as it gets going up to a person yeah, with cancer bad. and calling and them baldy. Yeah. And then he's talking about cancer on these jail calls. He'd rather have cancer and know that he's dying before over being in prison well i don't know if you've heard that one he better be careful what he wishes for yeah i did hear that i'm sorry that he talked to you that way but that's horrific and obviously someone is walking around with no hair um when you just seen him with hair it's usually uh any somewhat reasonably intelligent person some people said he's just not that bright and maybe this is a case in point on top of being well uh, what had happened was i had hair And I knew I was going through extensive chemo. I had little children. They didn't want to see my hair falling out. So the side story is that I went on my own and had all my hair taken out because I didn't want chunks of it falling around my home. So I wore, at first I was going to wear wigs, but they're too itchy and hot. So I wore a little cap. So from two weeks where I had seen him, I had hair. And two weeks later, I was wearing the little cap with the teeth on it. And that's when he said, hey, Baldy. And I'm sure that someone had told him what I was going through. So I think he thought he was being funny, but I don't think he thought he was. So, yes, I don't think he's the sharpest tool in the shed. Like, I just think he is dumb. And obviously, with this case, we've learned that. Yeah, uh, that is a horrific <laughs> thing to say. So what, what yeah, a dumb really dumb. Is, but, uh, and the way he was on the stand and just telling yeah, I was extorted. I was extorted. And I'm just like, it just brought back that memory. Like, you're so dumb. Like, no one believes you. What do you think of what did you think of that defense? I mean, it was insane. I thought I don't know how. I mean, I don't know if his mother or his all these people watched the same trial as me or if they're just telling him what he wants to hear. And I'm not just saying this because I don't like the man. I thought it was pathetic. I thought it was terrible. I thought he looked like a fool. Um, I was even saying, I can't believe he's saying that. It sounds so dumb. Like, 
an extortionist doesn't take payments. Like I was literally, I didn't go to work for three days because I was glued to the TV watching that trial. Like I could not stop watching it. Um, so yeah, he's not, he's not sharp. He's very arrogant. He, um, you know, there's just so many things I could say. I'm just going to follow it and I'm going to hope they all go down and I'm just going to pray for, um, Dan's parents. And I'm going to pray that those boys that are in their prime, I have two sons, you know, that play football for high school and one played football for college. And I can't imagine having all this going on while these kids are trying to get into their adulthood. Very sad. Yeah. Uh, you said that he kind of dressed down, uh, talked down to other uh, employees. Is there anything as bad as calling someone baldy that you saw firsthand with another employee? No, like um, what I've been told is he would call them dumb. You're so dumb. Or why is my tray not set up? How can you forget that? Are you dumb? Are you like, did you go to school? That, that little things like that, but never to me. I never uh, had every, Everyone wants to know on these. So Daniel Rashbaum, the defense attorney at the beginning of the trial said, Charlie talks a lot. He likes to repeat himself. And that now uh, we hear these jailhouse calls. That's all he does. Talks mm -hmm. a lot and repeats himself. Did he repeat himself to his patients? And uh, the bonus question from this person is, did any of those patients ever ask for more happy gas? So they did not have to listen to him. <laughs> um, that I don't know, but I'm, I'm, I would assume so. Yeah. I think he actually used to put his patients on like a um, medicated thing where they had to have a ride. I don't, I mean, I know he probably did use gas, but I remember patients, coming in a little like loopy, you know, he always is talking about Xanax and stuff. So I think he was writing a lot of prescriptions. He gave a lot of pain medicine. He gave a lot of Xanax and his patients were pretty looped out when they were in there. There's also stories uh, where he's talking to like a colleague and saying, well, I gave him stuff. They didn't even know I gave it to them and was doing things that were certainly unethical medically. Uh, is that stuff that was talked about in the office? We're done. Um, not that I know. I never saw oh. him do it, but I'm assuming that he did. He wrote a lot of prescriptions, if that's the question. So let, let's fast forward uh, to Charlie's arrest. What was your reaction that day? So uh, I think I was like not shocked. I was happy. Um I was saying finally, and I was laughing um, at the way he looked with his hair. I, I was just like looking at him like, is this the same guy? He looked out like crazy. I, I wasn't shocked. I really wasn't. Did you think that day was coming or did you think he was going to get away with it? Like, was I it was it a moment of, oh, my God, they caught this guy. Um, I honestly thought over the time that the whole thing happened and Katie and the other two guys took the fall. I honestly said, I don't know who he paid off or what he did, but he got away with it. Hmm. And then when he got arrested, I was like, good. Like, I don't, I don't remember having a big reaction. I went to work and me and that the, the dentist I was working for, she knew him. Um, and she was like, we were glued to the, you know, had our AirPods in, we were watching and I don't work with her anymore because um, she opened her own practice all the way up in West Palm Beach. But I remember her saying, 
when he goes to trial, we're watching that whole trial. So throughout that those days, we were texting back and forth. We were both very happy that um that he got arrested. Then, in, you know, you said you were glued to this trial. Uh, when he took the stand, I was in Tallahassee. He was pretty smooth. Um, the, the rub against him is he was almost too rehearsed, too smooth. But what do you think of him when he took the stand? Did you think, oh, he's got a shot of getting off here because the guy had answers no. for everything? I didn't. didn't. I, I watched it and I saw him keep looking at the jury. I also have a psychology degree. I was watching him like this guy is, I, I mean, I've been told from people that were in the courtroom um, that the jurors weren't even taking notes. I mean, I don't, I wasn't there, but I, there's a couple, and I know Katie Kulady, and then there was another um, girl last night. And I don't know what her podcast is called, but she was there as well. And she said she never even saw the jurors like taking notes or even believing him. He, they never asked to re rehear anything. He came across as a complete liar. That's how I feel. But I don't think he's, I, and yes, it was rehearsed. Um, and I think that I don't, I don't think there was ever a doubt except for that one juror that somebody talks about, but. I'm not sure who he was or she. Uh, someone else wants to know, is Charlie uh, a male chauvinistic pig and a misogynist? Would he treat women worse than men? I would call him a male chauvinist misogynist pig, but I don't know that he treated anybody different. I think that he just thought he was better than everybody, men and women. Uh, someone wants to know about the office, and I have no idea if you know any. I've never heard of this. Uh, the Cove in Deerfield Beach, that was the last office that he was working at uh, before he was arrested. Are you familiar with that at all? Yes, that's the office I was talking about earlier. Okay. Um, what do they want to know about that? They just wanted to know uh, if you were working there. Or if no, let's yeah. see here. Hang on a second. If the hygienist... This, yeah, they want. That's what they wanted to know, and I don't know if you're comfortable answering that. But um, that I, was. I wasn't. I wasn't working there when he was working there. But like I said, he was on the slideshow. They had already let him go. Okay. Um, they probably are trying to figure out who I am. Did you know anything about um, his like his his private life, like what he would do? People want to know, like where he would hang out. Someone said he he liked to hang out at Johnny V's on Los Olas. Would he ever talk about, oh, I'm going to go get a drink here, go get a drink there, whatever? No. I never heard anything like that. I mean, mm. I knew he was like showy, and I'm sure he did do that, but that me and him never had a conversation like that, nor did I hear him like say to the doctors, let's go out or anything like that. I think he had a, I think that he had I think I'm assuming this too, but I think it's obvious he had a separate life because he would date women 20 years younger than him. So he wasn't like in the circle of the 40s where, you know, we all go along well, in my 50s, but we all go to like, you know, whatever. He was always probably going to the younger places because that's what he was more attracted to. Uh, this is more of kind of a comment and a question. We've seen a lot of arrogance when it comes to being caught. Uh, he he didn't think he was going to get caught, and frankly, downright foolish behavior when it comes to what it would have taken to not get caught. That being said, this all seems in contrast to other accounts of how hardworking and how successful he was in his practice. Did he simply make up the cash in volume by working 24-7, 
or was he truly a wise and strategic businessman uh, wondering if his idiotic folly only existed when it came to his mama? Was he a good businessman? Um, at one point in the trial, he said he was making like $3.4 million a year. Yeah, uh, that's you know not. What? You know what? When you guys say that, that is normal. A lot of people are saying that's not normal. For a periodontist, that is normal. The office I'm working in right now, we make 55K a day. Um, they're making almost 12 million a year. So um, I'm not sure why people say that a periodontist wouldn't make a couple million, but he, remember, like I said, he didn't have overhead. He didn't have to pay people. He didn't have to pay for supplies. He went to different offices. And I, I don't, I was only told, but I do believe he was working six to seven days a week because he went to all different offices. Um, I don't remember the first part of the question, but I don't think he's a bad businessman because he knew how to make money, but obviously he wasn't doing the right things with his money. And maybe he was planning for to take off one day. <laughs> you never know. Like it was probably in the back of his head that he better save all that money because he might have to get out of here. Yeah, and there are wiretaps where he's dealing steroids or talking about dealing steroids and also ripping someone off like uh, by changing the date on a car he was selling. Does any of that surprise you that he was dealing in that stuff? Not at all. Welcome not to all. Miami. Welcome to Miami. Yeah, nothing, um, nothing surprises me about him. Not one single thing. Except uh, this, now it's just confusing me that he is acting like he... Let me ask you a question, if you don't mind, because maybe this will help your viewers. So I remember being told or hearing that after when, okay, so remember Wendy went to the scene, then Wendy left. And remember when Charlie called Katie, didn't he say something and Katie said, I know? Yes. She, okay. So somehow Wendy had to have told Katie or someone that it was done. Mm -hmm. Am I right? Yeah, there's all yeah, that's that's yeah. that's the buzz, yeah. So, but with these jail calls, now I'm not stupid. I know he knows they're being taped, but sometimes he does say things that I don't think he should be saying. Um, but he is really truly, unless he's a very good actor, acting like he never knew that Wendy really went down that street. He thought they made it up. And then his mom goes, Yeah, she did. And he goes, Yeah, I, or no, or something, and he says, yeah, her phone was pinged there. He actually acts like he never knew that. So I'm starting to get concerned that Katie and her were in cahoots with this. I don't know. I hope to God that's not the case. I mean, I know Wendy's definitely guilty, but I think Charlie was the mastermind and Donna, and I think they're both in the right place. Um, so what was the what was the question you were about to ask me? Well, that, you make a really interesting point. Um, I mean, I think that the, the takeaway there, I think, is if you know the 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 culpability of Wendy Adelson to me is becoming more and more glaring. I don't think there's any way that she was unaware of this or not a part yeah. of this. And I think they're I inching know that closer. exact street. I'm not a, like I'm not a cop over there, and they've all said it. So I'm just I'm not repeating what they say. I know for a fact there's no way you would go down that street to look for a liquor store now. If you're a psycho ex-wife and you wanted to drive by your husband's house to see if he has somebody over or this or that, it's just a little coincidental. It was the day of the murder. And with all the, the tape up and cops and you're a father, I'm a mother. My kid's house is down that street. 
I'm not doing a U-turn and getting out of there. And then somehow it got back to Katie that it was already done. So somebody called somebody, but I don't remember that. Uh, I remember just hearing that Katie said um, to Charlie, yeah, I already know. Yeah. And Wendy said she thought a tree had fallen. If I had three kids yeah, and I thought yeah. a tree fell, uh, I'd be checking that yeah. out. You know, the yeah, whole thing doesn't. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. not adding up. By the way, by the way, by the way, Dr. G explains, who's a friend of mine and an awesome YouTuber, he's a behavior expert. He was breaking down uh, some more of Wendy's police interrogation, and he just sent it to me. This is going to air a few days after this this aired. But Wendy in the interrogation says they referring to the suspects. How did she know it was more than one person? Um, yeah. it's very, it's very interesting. She says it more than once. They, um, yep. and we know it was Luis and Sigfredo. So, you know, if someone you would, you would almost always assume it's he, right. Or maybe she, or, but yeah, or the person. But, yeah, yeah. A person, but she was referring to it as to them as they, so well, I uh, think very, they were definitely trying to set up the poor guy, um, the boyfriend, I think yeah, that that's Jeff Lacasse. Like that car. They picked that car that was so similar to his, um, you know, she made sure he was going to, and he lied to her and said he was going out of town, but he really didn't leave or whatever, or vice versa. He left early. Um, so yeah, I, that all points directly to, she knew it was going to happen. She knew her kids were at daycare. I wouldn't be surprised if she had checked to make sure he dropped them off at daycare. Um, the other thing that I don't think has been addressed, which I would find funny is, Everyone's asking, why did they make two trips? Why didn't it? Well, the first time they went, didn't they think Wendy was walking outside with the boys? So they did the one, the one guy Garcia said, I didn't want to kill um, anyone with kids right there. I'm yeah. not doing that basically. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. That's a few more questions. I have. Yeah. Yeah. A few more questions to get through and then we'll get your final thoughts. But um, we kind of went through this, but. Uh, yeah. Did you get the impression that okay. Charlie was invincible because he seems like a coward to talk the big game with no real gravitas? Do you think this whole like tough guy attitude was more to just like puff out his chest and it was really real? Yes. Hmm. He's yeah. sitting in jail, a prison right now or wherever he is. And he's not the big boy anymore. And you can hear that on the tapes. Uh, looking Charlie on those calls is not the same person five, four or five years ago that thought he got away with this. Yeah. Uh, looking back now, they want to know uh, if you thought that Charlie was capable of what he was just uh, convicted for. Looking back at it. Um, it surprises me that that they would go to lengths like this to kill a man. Um, but I think, again, he wanted to be the big the big hero for his mother, for his sister, get away with murder. So looking back, I wouldn't have thought that anybody, I, I don't think I can look at anyone on the street and say that person's capable of that. Um, Cause it's just, it's terrible. But yeah, I, I think that his, um, his macho, arrogant mind frame thinks that he could do it and be the hero of the Adelson family. Uh, you said you, you said you have a degree in psychology. Do you think he was a complete narcissist? This person wanted to know. Absolutely. All about Charlie all the time. All the yep, always. 
the fact that he even had a kid, I'm sure that wasn't planned. He probably wasn't even happy that that girl <laughs> was pregnant. I mean, now looking back, he's happy, I'm assuming. But didn't they say even in during court that um, he's called the police a whole bunch of times on her? Because Georgia Kappelman's like, you called the police on your your child's mother. Why wouldn't you call the police on extortionists? <laughs> so, yeah, he wanted, he just thought he could get away with anything and do anything he wants. Absolutely. Uh, this question ties right in. Did Charlie behave at work as though he was someone being extorted or was he acting normally? Because if I was extorted, I would not be able to sleep, the commenter says. You would have never known that anything was going on. <laughs> no, he was not being extorted. That's for sure. I think that that would be something he would talk about. I mean, he would look how much he's talking now. Uh, you know, he. There, he wasn't being extorted. He wasn't talking about it. He also wasn't talking about planning a murder, but he was taking phone calls. And I even hear them. He's like, I stepped outside so-and-so's office. I can talk to you real quick. This is before he got arrested. Um, and I remember him doing that several times in an eight-hour day. So, yeah. Uh, some of these other questions we've gone over. So I'm going to jump down to the last batch. There's a few questions in here. Uh, how often did Charlie lie or stretch the truth with patients? Very often. It goes on would, the question. Um, it, sa it say, says, Joel he, Joel, he would say, I remember one particular time he said, watch me get 5,000 out of this lady. And it was a little old lady. She might've been in her early eighties. And let's, let's be honest, We even my grandfather got implants when he was 80 something because they want to eat. But he sold this lady like almost six implants, which is like 20, at that time was about $20,000. And she did it. So yeah, he, he, he knew he did swindle himself to get money. Yes. And she didn't necessarily need those implants. He, she didn't need that many, no. Wow. Because uh, this question said, it goes on. It says, on the wiretap, he lied about giving a patient a medicine that they were allergic to. Uh, they were actually allergic to it. Um, did he ever admit he was wrong? Did you ever hear him say, I'm wrong about something? No. And uh, the final questions here, how did he handle criticism or patient complaints? He said, I, I literally remember one day he said, I don't give up F what that person thinks. Um, no, he didn't, he didn't handle complaints. He didn't care what they thought. He didn't care if he was getting sued. I, he would say, I have malpractice insurance. Go ahead and sue me. Um, I'm sure you can get some dentists on your show that would tell you even better than I can, but he never admit that I could hear. He never admitted he's wrong. I'm sure when he's in an office setting with the door closed with the owner and the owner saying, why did you do this, that, and A, B, and C? He might have said, man, I shouldn't have done that. or I should." But in front of me and in front of other employees, he was never wrong. And uh, KC, just to put a bow on it, you know, we, we've been uh, obviously doing extensive coverage on this. We have people watching and listening literally from all over the world. Uh, I think pretty much every continent yeah. except Antarctica. It's probably hard to get service there. But why do you think this particular case is getting the attention that it is? Um, I mean, I watch all the crime shows. Like I just watched, um, 
I forgot her name. Like, I think that crime is becoming a very big thing because there's so much of it. I don't know if you agree, but like the Broward County Jail has never had this many murderers in the Broward County Jail right now. So um, I think that it's becoming a big thing. And then you have this rich periodontist family that kills a FSU professor in, in my eyes was perfect. I don't know, you know, like, I mean, he sounds like the perfect fit for me, <laughs> but anyway, um, great dad, all the great qualities he gets killed and these people get away with it for nine years. So I believe that it's a very big case, almost like the Jody Arias case. Um, there's all kinds of cases that I've been watching. I can't wait for this OnlyFans girl that in Miami that oh, yeah. stabbed her. That's coming up. Um, so I think people are really getting into the long crime. And I don't even know how I came across your channel, but I love it. I'm tuned in every day, even if I can't comment or even if I have to watch it later because I'm working. I have it in my ear. I think that it's. I promised her I did not pay her to say this. I promise, right? No, Please. no, <laughs> I, no. And I never even wanted to be on the show because I was, I was like, but I just feel like people need to know what really was going on because I don't want these jail calls to make people feel sorry for this man. Yeah. He deserves and, everything he got. You know, and I've gotten some complaints. People say, well, you're beating up on a guy behind bars, but I think it's important. Uh, this guy is a public figure. He's been convicted of a hideous crime for people to know who he really is. Uh, how do you think he's going to do in state prison? Well, I don't really know much about state prison, but from what I, I do have a very good friend and I'm not going to go into the story that got put there. And from what I understand, um, the jail is way worse than state prison. I mean, I'm wondering also, how is he talking on the phone so much? I mean, in jail, don't you have to wait in line to use a phone? Well, now they have um, a system. It's called JPay, And uh, you no, actually, a lot of these people have tablets and it's just a matter of if you have the money, you can literally kind of make the calls off your tablet from what so I understand. You can literally sit in your cell all day and call people? Pr pretty I much. Didn't, I didn't There's no, that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's hard to believe, but that's that's how I understand it. Um, and we've so had I Tommy State prison might be a little bit better for him only because I think they give you better food. I don't know. I don't yeah. know anything about either one. Thank God. But, um, <laughs> I, you know, I have family members that work work for Broward County um, Sheriff's Office and they've worked in the jail. And that's not a fun place to be um, in Dade County, Leon County. So. Maybe he'll even, I mean, he looks better with his head shaved. I don't know who other, if anyone else wants to agree on that one. But <laughs> when I saw that picture, I'm like, yeah, he actually looks better like that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that he's going to have to make his way there. He'll probably work out, stay on the phone all day, watch movies on his tablet, and that's going to be his new life. And it's well. Did I lose you? Oh, you're still there. Okay, sorry. Um, I I hope his mom. I'm sorry, just have to say this, but I I think that Donna deserves the same thing for the rest of her years. Yeah, well, she's facing the same exact charges. That was my final question. How would you like to see this story end? Uh, would you like to see Wendy and Harvey uh, also pay for these crimes? How, how would you like to see the story end? So. Obviously, I'd like to see anyone that was responsible 
for this man's death and this this father held responsible. Um, I just feel really bad. I hope I I can't wait for the story about what um, uh, Ruth how their visit was and did the boys ask questions. I know you haven't announced all that yet. Um, that part I would love to know because are the boys upset with the family for what they did to their dad? If they're upset and they're going to be okay, I want them all to pay. Harvey, on the other hand, I'm not sure how much he really, besides trying to flee with Donna, he really knew the whole time. He might have found everything out at the end. Um, I know that she's the control freak. She writes the checks. So I don't know if he knew that the, all that money was going out. I'm not sure about Harvey. But Wendy was definitely a bit, probably almost 50% of this. And Don and Charlie were the rest. And I do hope they all, for Ruth Markell um, and his father and his sister, and for the boys, I think they all deserve to be away. and get punished for what they did. I Casey, just yeah, Casey, thank you so much for uh, coming you. on Surviving the Survivor. Uh, it takes courage to, to speak up. I appreciate it. Um, please come forward with any other information you have or anyone else who knows uh, the Adelsons who'd like to speak out. You've got an open invite uh, on Surviving the Survivor. Uh, wishing you a very uh, happy holiday and a uh, happy new year. Thanks again, Casey. Thank you so much. Thanks, Joel. Thank you. Till next time. Love you, America. Final seconds of the game. A chance to score and... The chance has gone begging. If your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities, get the MVP you deserve. Get Shopify. <coughs> Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash ranks.